and welcome to the North Decatur Presbyterian Church Sermon Series. We're a PCUSA congregation in Decatur, Georgia. If you'd like to find out more about us, go to ndpc.org or just come by and visit. Here's this week's sermon. Have you all ever written a letter to someone? You ever written a note or a letter? Yeah, I bet you have. Some of the pages in our Bible, in the Holy Word, are letters written from one person to another. They're old letters, right? 2,000-year-old letters. And in the letter that I'm going to read this morning, there's one person who's having a hard time, and his name is Timothy. And his letter, the letter that Timothy is receiving, is from one of his friends named Paul. Listen to what Paul says to Timothy in this letter. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, for the sake of the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus, am writing to you, Timothy, my beloved child. Grace, mercy, and peace From God, our parent, and Christ Jesus, our Lord. Timothy, I am grateful to God, whom I worship with a clear conscience as my ancestors did, when I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. Timothy, I recall your tears, and I long to see you, that I may be filled again with joy. Timothy, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that lived first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now that faith, I am sure, lives in you. For this reason, Timothy, I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is within you through the laying on of my hands, for God did not give us a spirit of cowardice. But God gave us a spirit of power and love and self-discipline. Timothy, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, the Lord's prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel in the power of God. For God saved us and God called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to God's own purpose and grace. This grace was given to us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. It has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Jesus the Christ, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the good news. That is the word of God. It is for us together. Thanks be to God. Every year on All Saints Day, we begin worship with this old poem from John Donne. And the poem reminds us that every part of our lives and our deaths all matter here in the church. Every one of us, every part of us matters in the community of the church. And then we read our names. This year, we read six 
names. Every year when we do this, my heart grows full, as I'm sure yours did too. It gets full of all the feelings about our own memories of these beloveds. Every one of them, all six of them, are gone from our physical presence, but at the same time, we affirm that they are present with us as part of the great communion of the saints. This week, I looked back at all of the memorial services that we have shared together in the 12 years that we have been here. I counted 44 services. And seeing every one of their names filled me with the same kinds of feelings, both grief, but also a deep sense of gratitude. Every person in this room today knows the grief of losing someone that we have loved. When they die and they go away, the place they leave inside of us stays empty. Nothing ever fills it, and nothing ever should. Nothing can replace the space left inside of us by the one who loved us and whom we loved. Every time we look at that space, every time we look inside ourselves and draw closer to that emptiness inside of us, the grief comes back to us. We miss our beloveds. But that grieving is good. It means that we loved that person, and we're loved back by them. The act of grieving can also bring with it a strange and wonderful kind of warmth. This warmth comes through our action, our practice of remembering. It's good to remember. When we remember our beloveds, it's a way of honoring them. It's a way of saying to our beloved, you shaped me. You made me the person that I am today. To remember someone after they've gone from our presence is to say, I'm so glad and so grateful that you were a part of my life. On this All Saints Day, we engage in this good and holy act of remembering We set aside this one day in the life of our church to remember all of the people who made us, especially those who made us in love. This remembering can be particularly important to us when we are feeling discouraged. Paul senses that his friend Timothy is feeling this way, that he is feeling discouraged. And so Paul writes Timothy a letter, and he begins, Timothy, my beloved child, I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. It's so important for us to be remembered, not just after we've gone, but even while we're still alive. Paul says to Timothy, I long to see you so that I can be filled with joy. And then I hope you notice what Paul says next. He says, I am reminded, Timothy, of your sincere faith. But that faith did not come from you, Timothy. That faith lived first in your grandmother Lois and then in your mother Eunice. 
And now, Timothy, that faith lives in you. That is such a beautiful and such a tender kind of invitation to remember. Paul points Timothy back to his own family tree, and apparently these are people that Paul seemed to know well. Lois, Timothy's grandmother, Eunice, his mother. When Paul wants to encourage Timothy in this moment, when when perhaps everything seems like it has gotten to be too much to handle, Paul asks Timothy to remember. Remember your mother. Remember her hands, her face, the dignity of her bearing, the kindness of her spirit. Remember your grandmother. Remember her voice, her face, her courage. Remember her love for you. It's as though the simple act of remembering our ancestors, remembering those people whose shoulders we stand on, remembering exactly how their love made us. It's as though that act of remembering is enough to keep us going. The writer Annie Dillard has written something wonderful about remembering. She says, I would like to learn or remember how to live. Listen again, I would like to learn or remember how to live. I would like to remember how to live. It's as though when life gets hard for us, and the way ahead gets cloudy or confusing, and when we lose a sense of who we are, it's almost as though we need help from those who have come before us, those who have faced up to their own set of trials and hardships and emerged from them. It's almost as though we need not to learn how to live, but to remember how to live. Remember Lois. Remember Eunice. Now remember yourself. Frederick Beekner, the wonderful writer who also died this past year, talked about remembering as a room that we can go into. He wrote, we must enter that still room within us all where the past lives on as part of the present, where the dead are alive, where we are most alive ourselves to our own turnings and to where our journeys have brought us. The name of the room is Remember, the room where with patience, with charity, with quietness of heart, we remember, consciously, to remember the lives that we have lived. Now, I don't mean to make all of this remembering sound easy. 
Remembering can be hard, and it can be precarious. We don't often go into that room that Beekner talks about, that room called Remember, and when we do, it's often not an action that's quiet or patient or charitable, like he says. The truth is that our negative experiences linger with us longer than the positive ones do. Trauma sticks with us. Our painful memories tend to bubble up when we don't want them to. And so instead of our act of remembering being a blessing to us, sometimes our remembering is something we get uncomfortable with or even afraid of. We forget the things that we want to remember. And we remember the things that we want to forget. We have trouble also with our public remembering. One of the biggest and ugliest fights in our culture right now is over what, out of all of the things about our past, we should be remembering in the present. One out of three Americans believe that God intended America to be a new promised land for European Christians. That's not how indigenous people remember that same set of events, is it? There's a whole slew of bills that are appearing in state legislatures all across the country that are trying to shape the way that our children learn about slavery. Most of them are asking teachers not to give deference to one side or the other, as though we're better off somehow if we remember that human enslavement has two legitimate moral sides. Sometimes we'd rather misremember things that are painful. When we do so, we lose a sense of where we've come from and we lose track of who we are. Our faith depends on remembering, and it depends on remembering well. Every week, when we gather in this place together, we try to practice faithful remembering. It's almost like this room is that room that Beekner talks about, that room of remembrance. Every week, we, we pull forward these old stories that have been handed on to us from generation upon generation, these old stories that were written by people in, in long-ago times and faraway places. And yet these stories in this room somehow become stories about us and about our lives in the present moment. When we remember these stories from Scripture, it's not just the ancestors who see the burning bush. It's not just the ancestors who wrestle with an angel in the night or walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It's also us. And Jesus comes alive in this place when we remember well. Those who heard Jesus teach, who sat with him when he said, blessed are the poor and blessed are the meek and blessed are the merciful, remembered his words. Those who watched him heal bodies and feed the multitudes remembered what he had done. 
They told stories after he was gone about what he had said and what he did, and and they let his words become part of their bodies, so they did the same things that he had done. And because they remembered, we too can follow Jesus today. And of course, we also know Jesus because of what we'll do at the table in a few minutes. This meal that we share is built around remembering. The night before Jesus died, he gathered his friends around him at a table. They had done that hundreds or thousands of times together, but this time was different. Jesus said, I'm going away, and you cannot come with me. You will miss me, and you will wonder where I have gone. And some of you will grow discouraged, and you will lose your faith. So promise me always you will come back to the table. When you come to the table, take a piece of bread that has been broken. Pick up the cup and drink from it. And when you do, you will remember. You'll remember me. You will also remember yourself. And so Jesus is here. And so is Jan and Kathleen and Sam and Max and George and Jean. They're all here. All of the saints are here, even Lois and Eunice. They are here to help us remember how to live. Let the saints of God say, Amen.